listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. All right, Jeff. So today's episode is going to be the first in a, in a long multi-part series that we have planned around growth. And when we conceived of this series, we said we we're going to you know really go deep into growth across maybe 10, 15 or more episodes. The first thing you asked me was, why should a company grow? Why do they need to grow at all? And I think it kind of was a really great question. So today we're going to make the case for growth or the case for anti-growth, not growth. <laughs> yes. So I made a list. I'm sure you did as well. It was interesting doing that exercise because I think firms talk about growth all the time. They're always talking about, well, we got to grow, we got to grow. And and sometimes they're more sophisticated in planning how they're going to grow. Other times they're really not at all. But really, does anybody ask that question? Well, do we need to grow? Why do we want to grow? What are the reasons that we're pursuing growth? I think firms just mindlessly pursue growth is good and they go after it. So do you want to start on the, I guess, the the debits or the credits? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think in a, capitalistic society, everything is predicated on growth. We don't even question it, which is interesting to me from, you know, a psychological and and, and spiritual perspective that we think growth for growth sake is good. And, you know, we look at things like GDP and, and it's important that those are always going up. But I don't know that people always understand why? You know, in a capitalist society, growth is predicated on people buying more stuff. And I think that, you know, this COVID crisis in particular has been a catalyst for a lot of people to step back and, and think about why they're doing what they're doing. So I get why people are asked that question. Outside of, you know, that kind of background around capitalism and our, our current environment, to me, you know, growth and growth in professional services versus, you know, a technology company are, they're different types of growth. And I think they're very different reasons for growth, but both share the same central catalyst. And that would be growth provides opportunity. And opportunity is defined any number of ways, but growth is an indicator of success. I think bottom line, if you're not growing, you're not successful. I don't know that I fully agree with that, but that is the main driver. Now, there are firms and a lot of firms that just grow for growth sake. And it's almost trite to say, that that's the the mindset of a of a cancer cell and it can be a cancerous mindset that really is dysfunctional if it's not managed right but i do think there are some some really good reasons for growth and we should delve into them well you made a lot of interesting points in there the one on the case for growth one of the things i had on that list was that it was just hardwired into us to your point of as humans in, in capitalist societies we just seem to always want more it's never good enough for a lot of people and so the idea that we can grow maybe we can get 
more profit per partner or, or more profit or more revenue or whatever that mountain is that they see in front of them that they want to climb. Some of it is just the nature of the human condition in, in a lot of ways. And I, I do agree that that is one of the reasons that companies pursue growth, although I don't think it's a strong reason to pursue growth to your point. <laughs> so I, mean, I made a list. I know you did as well. I mean, one that I just mentioned is more profit per partner. So if growth is going to actually generate more profit for the owners of the firm, because maybe the firm has hasn't achieved a certain level of scale in order to get the right profit out of the organization. And that's certainly a reason. I had also on the list, just this idea of kind of tied with that is this idea of just creating more leverage for owners and partners. So the idea that, well, on some level, an organization needs a certain scale in order for the partners and the owners to let go of certain parts of what has to be done. And that leverage enables more profit, right? So I think that's part of maybe a reason that you'd want to grow? Yeah, I, I, I think those are good ones. You know, number one on my list is increasing returns to ownership. And returns, I think, can be defined any number of ways. I mean, we get into business, we become owners of firms for multiple reasons. But you know, a big part of that is to make money, you know, and the more revenue that we drive, the more opportunity we have for profit. And by having more profit, that leads to more financial freedom, you would hope, if you're building the organization properly. And then really the ultimate outcome of financial freedom is entrepreneurial self-determination, if you will, right? It, it creates options for you as a consultant, an accountant, you know, a CEO of a startup that now is interested in doing something else, right? So the growth gives you strategic flexibility, right? Yeah. And I think that's why it's really important is that there's a longer term goal in your life generally that you're trying to achieve. And a lot of people don't even know that. It's just more, more, more. But I think healthy companies know when more is enough and what they're going to do with the more once they get yeah. there. No, it's interesting because I think, you know, tie with that other one I had on my list was liquidity events, right? You know, so to your point of, you know, there is increased value with certain levels of scale, right? So if a firm ownership team wants to exit and sell the firm at a certain revenue level, it might sell at four or five times earnings. And at another, another revenue level, it might sell at six or seven times earnings. And those thresholds are real and they're tangible and you can identify them. And so that's another reason to pursue growth. You know, if the ownership of the firm is saying, well, hey, to your point, the goal is really to scale this thing to a certain level. And then we're going to sell it purposely, like you said, for financial freedom and to do other things and to move on to the next path of our careers, whatever that might be. That's one side of that equation is the selling. But I also think growth provides a stronger position to acquire. Depending on the ownership structure of the firm, the valuation of that firm, you know, the share price gives you flexibility for how you do deals as well. So if you want to acquire another firm or firms, that growth rate and profitability, i.e. shareholder value, enables you to do more deals and acquire through different types of channels and transactions. So I think those are important 
dimensions of growth as well. Yeah, no, that's a really great point. Just for the idea that, you know, some level of organic growth creates the opportunity for inorganic growth because, you know, without the first one, it's hard to have the second unless you're just coming into the game with a whole pile of capital, which a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs certainly are not. So, you know, it's interesting. We've talked a lot about the financial sides of this, but I think there's also, you know, human elements that are worth talking about. You know, growth creates the opportunity to create more client value. You know, so you think about, I've interacted with a lot of firms where, They'd like to expand the firm to introduce new services, new offerings, because they think that there's bigger problems that they can solve on behalf of their clients, or there's more value they can create for their clients. So there's you know some sense that there is value creation opportunities in the client base that growth would unlock, which would be of you know useful both for the firm and then for the clients that it serves. That is an excellent one. And we've talked about this several times out of your Thought Leadership Summit of thought leaders falling in love with the problem. And that is an excellent example of opportunities to (laughs) attack that problem in different ways for different types of clients. And, And that's what really motivates thought leaders, I think. It's not the money. It's the solving the problem. And growth just gives you more opportunity to solve problems. I have a a SaaS client. Their whole driving ambition for their market is solving big problems. And, you know, they run their company and help other their clients run their companies in a very simple fashion of, you know, building a better business by improving revenue and improving profit and improving quality of life. And the way they do that is solving the biggest problems they can for, you know, that market. And they're just actively going after them and attacking them. And in their enthusiasm is just so contagious in the, the improved revenue and the improved profit is just a result of the problem solving. Yeah, they look at it, they know they need it because the profit gives them more opportunity to attack bigger problems, but it also provides a buffer for them because they're in a cyclical industry to still support their clients, you know, during those cyclical times. But they live for that. I mean, that is that's the only reason they're growing. Well, it's interesting is I think you you actually just stuck your thumb on a really interesting nuance between professional services firms and SaaS firms and what's so radically different about the two types of organizations. On the one hand, you think about services firms are sort of built to solve the same problems over and over again. In fact, that's the whole idea of positioning is to build, you know, deep intellectual capability to solve problems that you see routinely and do it in the most effective way possible. And software companies are built to solve the problem once. The whole idea is to not solve problems that have already been solved. If someone else has already solved that problem with technology, we'll just bowl our solution onto that. And then we'll solve the next problem. We'll solve the bigger problem. And it's really interesting in that, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, just this, we'll come back to this in future episodes, I'm sure, just to what you said, this idea of the bigger problem you can solve, the more valuable that problem is. And then, of course, revenue and profit growth follows that. And just the way you said it. And so I think it's a really interesting cultural distinction that a lot of professional services firms could probably learn from the SaaS, you know, companies around us. Yeah. Well, in another episode, I might push back on that because I think there are quite a few professional services firms who approach the market that way. And those 
tend to be the people that are leading their industries. Yeah, it depends. I mean, I guess you could look at it as when they're developing IP that that's that's what they're trying to do is to is to create a solution to the problem that is governed through intellectual property and then use that to solve it again and again and again. So maybe I'm I'm framing it incorrectly when I say that. The other thing on the positive side for growth before we run out of time is, you know, just the employee retention side of it, right? You know, the idea that, you know, employees want to grow their careers and they want to develop themselves and they want to work on more complex problems and more interesting things. And and it's hard to keep employees on a career ladder when a firm is stagnant or not growing. So, you, so to some extent, if you want to develop your people and retain them and grow them and turn them into future senior leaders, you need some level of growth to make that happen. Yeah. And I would say that you need it to attract the best talent to start with, not just retain them, but to get the best people into the firm to start with. Because I think high performers recognize that that growth does create opportunities and they want to go to firms that are growing rapidly because that tells them my career could grow more rapidly. You know, some firm growing it you know, 5% means your career is probably going to grow at 5 or 10%. But a firm growing at 25 or 50 or 100%, your career is going to grow rapidly in those types of firms. So it's a great way to, to attract talent. The other thing, and this I think is particularly true of, of partnership structures. I mean, if you're not growing, you're not going to have a lot of room to add partners. And I think that kind of goes hand in glove, growth and partnership. So that's both opportunity to attract and retain, you know, the best partners as well. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. And, uh, and I like the way you described that, too. The idea of my career is going to go faster if I'm in a, large, in a rapidly growing organization. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. All right. So let's look at the other side. So I don't know if this is, the, I, I lose track of what's a debit and what's a credit. So we're going to look at the cases. <laughs> hey, I have, I have one more that you didn't put on your list. And I think it's an important oh, really? one. Yes. Uh, if it's not on my list, it's probably not important. Yeah. So we'll just pass it on and keep going. I think revenue growth and very visible revenue growth is key to building a strong brand. Without it, building a brand is tough because Growing revenues demonstrates to the market in your buyers an acceptance of what it is you're selling, uh, what's your offer. If you're growing, that means lots of other people are buying this. So you must really be providing a lot of value. So I think our buyers equate growth with acceptance of what it is that you offer. And that's something that's really, really important. And it's why those lists like the top 100 accounting firms or top 100 SaaS firms or the term unicorn for, for SaaS companies, if you achieve that certain level of growth, people say, man, there must really be something good happening there. So I think it's really important. That's an interesting one because at first I was about to push back on you and say, well, do I really need to grow my brand? I mean, right. I mean, it really isn't the end of the day as the ownership but do I care about that or do I really care about revenue or profit growth? But I think the way you're describing it is interesting in the sense of, in a way, it makes it easier to continue 
growth because you're reducing resistance in the buying cycle. You're making it easier for clients to buy and you're making it easier for them to make you the preferred choice as you grow because it's sort of a, a flywheel effect. Yes. Between the revenue of the brand and the buying experience, whatever. So it's interesting. I can't believe you're talking about brand of all people. You of all people saying, you know. <laughs> all right. So the other side of the coin. So it's easy to jump on the growth bandwagon, like you said, and, and say, well, growth is good and, and every company should grow. And, and that's certainly what business school tells you. And that's what any financial model will tell you. But there are reasons not to grow. And I think it's worth talking about those. So there, there are situations where, you know, there's really no need to grow at all. So let's talk about what those are. Mm-hmm. So the first one I would put on there is you are a very finite niche player. Your market is very small. You love that market. That market is incredibly loyal to you. And in serving it, you can do it as a small organization. I think this is what's behind the whole artisan type of positioning of companies, of going really deep on a particular service or product and, you know, representing kind of the craftsmanship of it provides you an opportunity to really specialize and not feel the same impetus to grow, that you're an artist, if you will. And I understand that. I understand that. It's about the art, not the growth. And the art becomes more valuable. So you are in essence growing, but you don't have all of the pains of growth. You're just getting a higher re- return on the amount of work you're willing to put into a particular offering to the market. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think dovetail with that is the implicit assumption that the financial returns on that business are good enough. Mm-hmm. That. Mm-hmm. The owners are are completely satisfied with the return that they're getting from that service they're providing, whatever it might be. And they don't need more or, or feel the pressure to chase more. They found some sort of happy existence between what they want and need from life and where they are as a business. And so they, they don't feel that that pressure. I think you're right. I mean, you said it at the, at the outset of this, that there's there's sort of a cultural pressure that if you're not growing, you're dying, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's the rare individual that says, well, no, I have exactly what I want and I don't need any more. And I'm comfortable with this business where it sits and, I, and I'm not going to go chase growth because it doesn't serve me well financially and for maybe other reasons. You know, the other one I lumped in there was like, and this one actually came from the management consultant, David Baker, who serves the agency community. He always talks about this idea that you really have no business growing if you're not willing to manage people. If you don't want to manage more people than you manage currently, then you really don't have any business growing because with growth comes the need at first manage more people and then eventually probably manage differently and start moving decision-making down the organization. And if you don't want to do those things, then pursuing growth strategies, aggressive growth strategies probably isn't fair to, to people because you're you know, you're not giving them the, the experience that they need as an owner and a manager. I love that. And you do see that. If you look at the life cycle of a company or the growth of a company, there are very clear demarcation points where the organizational complexity begins to build out and you start building out, you know, these functional areas within the organization and the organization reaches a point and and you see this all the time with founder startups and elsewhere where the growth and the sophistication of the company is outstripped the capability of the owner. And that could be, you know, leadership or managerial or operational 
complexity, but also the psychological. <laughs> and I saw this with my dad in the family business. When I was in, in high school, early college, I can't remember. I couldn't understand why he wasn't adding more stores to the many that he already had, because to me, it achieved all those positive things. You know, it's about scale, increasing profitability, giving people opportunity. And his answer to me was very straightforward. Why would I want to add more headaches to my life? Mm -hmm. And in back then, you know, I, I had a perspective on it. But as as an adult, I look at that and I understand what he's saying. It's about, hey, I'm already good where I am. It's meeting the financial requirements of what I need for your first point. But I think the other point was that giving up control to other people was just more than he could deal with. And he just, I don't want to give up control. And it came out as, oh, I don't want to manage larger team and have more headaches because I think the effective managers or leaders make their subordinates solve those problems and those headaches, right? So your headaches are primarily people things, but that really is an important one. And you have to have a mindset <laughs> for letting go both control and dealing with people instead of things. Yeah, I really like that story. And I think all of our listeners will be able to relate to that because everybody has that story in their life of someone that they're maybe a parent or or or, or even themselves, you know, where they've just said that the, that either the, the complexity of that I don't want or maybe the risk with that I don't want either, right? You know, I think because there's, there's risk associated with it. I mean, think about your dad, if he opened all those stores and then this pandemic hit. Wow, talk about the unexpected risk that he would now face in trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's another element of this is you know, what's your risk tolerance? At some point, there's there's a, there's a certain amount of tolerance to risk that many people have that they, they just can't take out more. Mm-hmm. I have one more and then we have to wrap. And this is this one actually I just stumbled upon this morning. I hadn't really thought much about it, but I was talking to a prospective client this morning. It's a small, I'll just say engineering firm. It's not really an engineering firm, but it's sort of in that genre. And what he was talking to me about was that they had grown really well. In fact, he had taken this business from zero to three, four million dollars in revenue in about six or seven years. So he was doing pretty well, but he'd never done any marketing. And he, and he said to me, he's like, my biggest concern has always been that I, I don't want to grow faster than I, I can deliver quality services. You know, So I want to make sure I can sustain the quality of our services. And if I grow too fast, I'm really, really scared that our service delivery is going to suffer. So it's not really a case to not grow at all. It's more a case to throttle growth to say, well, you know, maybe we don't want to grow as fast as the market will allow us just because we're not comfortable that we can deliver the level of service we want. And I think that's perfectly okay. Worked for Amazon. Yeah. It worked for Amazon. You hit on something really important there. Growth, and and it brings us full circle, really. Growth needs to be deliberate, right? There's your environment is going to want to dictate a certain amount of growth to you. And that could be industry growth rate. You know, you have to keep up with the Joneses in, in terms of that. Investors will be demanding a certain amount of growth rate. Your own psyche will be demanding one. But the key to growth is to understand why you're growing and what works for your organization in terms of the rate and approach to growth in order to achieve what's at the end of that journey. Otherwise, everybody's just 
frantic. That's a great way to end this episode because in our next episode in this series, we are going to dive into that because not all growth is uniform. You know, the idea that you're going to grow revenue in lockstep with profit or employees or market share or enterprise value is false. And even the idea that you'll grow any one of those things in a uniform pattern, which you see a lot of firms say, well, our you know our business plan says we're going to grow 10% a year for the next five years. Well, that never happens. Growth is never uniform. So it's not uniform in pace, nor is it uniform you know across all the dimensions of things you're growing. When we get back together on our next episode, that's what we're going to dive into is all those, those different dimensions of growth and, and really talk about what you're growing. So this was fun. Thanks for... Uh, Another interesting conversation. All right, buddy. Have a good one. All right, man. See you. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Boom.